So we uh, have spoke for the last couple weeks about what, what am I here for, that God has a purpose for your life. In week one, if we have those slides, we can maybe put them up here. Week one, we talked about discover, which means that God, you, you have to get the revelation first, right? God's spirit has to reveal it to your spirit that yes, he's created you for a destiny, for a purpose, and it's for something significant. And then in week two, we talked about seek, which means that we have to pursue. We have to seek God in prayer and in time with him to understand, to know more about these plans and these things that God has created us for. It's really in the ongoing relationship with him that we begin to have things illuminated and begin to gain understanding about what God wants to do in and through our lives. We spoke a lot about how, you know, uh, the Bible says in the book of Psalms that when God created us, he created us in secret, which means that there was no one else around to see that. Only God was able, was the only one who bore witness to that. And then Jesus came along and said, and whenever he was on the earth, he said, when you go and you pray, go to my father who is in the secret place, shut the door. And when you pray, he, he sees in secret and will reward you openly. And, and really the gist of that whole message, if I was to kind of summarize that down, is that we need to make time with God, devotion to God, you know, a, such a priority that we don't let the world interrupt us from getting that. That we don't let the distractions, the cares of the world, the busyness of life push God and time with God into this little compartment, into this little box where we try to get to it and it ends up being like he just gets our leftovers, right? I mean, time with God is so important. We see that all through the Bible. We see that through Moses' life. We see that through Jesus' life. Like many times it says he just retreated to the wilderness, and he was up there for days sometimes and just being with God. And he'd come back and be on fire and there'd be power that would come out. But this pattern of being with God and being alone with God is still paramount for us today if we want to walk in the purpose that he has for us. We can't t- stay separated and be busy, 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 doing, doing, doing all the time and never receiving and being filled and be full and, and still pl- think we can go out and do what he's called us to do. This is the way God's created. It's the way he set it up. And so today, we're going to talk about the walk, the walk, the actual walking and, and carrying out of this destiny that God has created us for. Now, when you look at the Bible, it uses the term walk many, many places. And you got to understand, you know, it's figurative language. It's, it's not saying specifically like a physical step that you take. It just, that paints a word picture for us. That walk, that language is figurative in the sense of time is passing by and how are we using this time? I mean, it even says in the book of Ephesians, it says walk circumspectly, meaning evaluate your walk all the time. Look at it, be mindful of it and, and examine it. Walk circumspectly, and it says, as, uh, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Redeeming the time, it, it means like this exchange. So time is passing by for all of us. This is the great equalizer. We all have 24 hours in a day. 
No matter who we are, nobody gets more of that or less of that, right? And so time is passing. So he's saying, look, walk in a way where you're exchanging the time for heavenly things, for godly things, for profitable things, for the purposes to which I've called you for. And you got to make sure that you're intentional about it because if you're not, he says, the days are evil. Meaning we live in a fallen world, think about this, a fallen world with brokenness and sin and disease and all these things in this fallen world, there is Satan, whom the Bible refers to as the prince of the power of the air. He roams around like a lion seeking whom he may devour. He has demons who do his bidding that carry out demonic missions to afflict believers and children of God from accomplishing their purpose. And then we live, our spirit lives in a body that's flesh and flesh is bent to sin. So we got all these things going on that are really, it's easy to get derailed is what I'm trying to tell you. It's easy to not walk circumspectly, to not walk the path that God has for you. That's why the Bible fills the the from beginning to end with so much language about how we should walk. It says walk in wisdom, walk in light, walk in faith, walk in joy, like all these things that we see and it's talking about how the time is meant to be exchanged, the things that we are to see happening in our lives as we're living day to day. And so this is what I wanna do. I wanna take us down a little journey through the life of one of the greatest walkers who's ever been known, and that's the Apostle Paul. His life, the walk that he walked is incredible. And it's so exemplary to us because he experienced all the same things yet overcame that we also go through. And I'll show you some of that today. But the Apostle Paul throughout all of his writings in the New Testament, many times over, he speaks about the walk. He speaks about the action. He speaks about the day today. So let's dig in. Let's examine that. And we'll start by going to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 to begin. Anybody out there today? All right. Sometimes I can't tell. You know, it just gets quiet and I just got to know. So just every now and then let me know you're there. All right. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Paul says this. He says, I therefore... The prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Now, I'm not going to teach for a second. I'm going to ask you, what do you think is implied when he says, I beseech you? Beg you, plead with you, right? I mean, you see that that's like, he's not just saying, hey, I'd like you to do this. He, he's saying, I'm begging, I'm beseeching you, like, man, I, you got to get this right. Please hear me. I, I'm calling you into this, brothers, that you would walk worthy of the calling in which you have been called. That word worthy just means to align with, to reflect properly. And I've learned this, you know, through the years, that just because God saves us and we give our life to Christ, it's not automatic that we're going to live a life that actually honors God and reflects God. It's not like it just automatically happens. That's why it's the walk. 
That's why it's the stepping day to day. And that's why Paul says, I beseech you, walk worthily of this calling in which you've been called. Meaning, let your life reflect the glorious work that's been done on the inside of you already. There needs to be an alignment that people see. There needs to be a continuity with the walk outwardly to the glorious, miraculous nature that's just been deposited on the inside of you internally. He said, I'm beseeching you, brother, walk worthily of that. And again, we slip. We slip. We err, right? I mean, I told you last week, if you were here, and I know only 75 of you were. Um, uh, I'm just kidding. Um, not really. Uh, I, last week, the, we were at the store um, right before the big storm hit the weekend before. And, you know, the crowds were there, and it was crazy, and people were all over. And I'm doing the whole, like, we can't go in the stores because people are nuts thing. And then, you know, I flipped out. I'm, I'm actually nuts. And Katie's like, what are you doing? And I'm all like, ah, we got to get out of here, and this is crazy. You look at me, she's like, you're one of them. <laughs> you know? And so we're, we're heading out in the parking lot, and she says something to me. And it, it sounds so cliche, but, man, you know, wives have a way of just kind of popping you right on the head. So she says, she says, you know, you are not showing the love of Jesus in this place today. <laughs> and I was like, you are not supposed to say that to me. <laughs> it's true. I mean, you know, I just, if I was real honest and I kind of look back, that, that hour of my life, I wish I could redo that one, you know. <laughs> Probably not the greatest walk worthily of the calling in which you've been called, you know. And, uh, and this just, it's, it's the case for all of us. And that's why the Bible gives us so much teaching and so much instruction on how to walk. Because just like Paul said, let me say to you, I beseech you, I beg you, I plead with you, brothers and sisters, let's all walk worthy of this calling that God has given us that we may reflect him to the world around us properly. Let there be an alignment. Let there be a continuity with what people see outwardly with what Jesus has done inwardly in us. Amen. So look, in order to do this, we have to know that we are not walking aimlessly, or let me say it another way, we are not leading ourselves. This is so important, that we know that we are following a guide. Did you get that? We are not leading ourselves, we are following a guide. Jesus spoke about the Holy Spirit that would come after his departure. And he, and he gave some language that described kind of the relationship that the Holy Spirit would have with us, meaning different ways that he would relate to us. And one of the things he said was he would be a helper. He said he, there, that he would be a comforter. You know, we know the Holy Spirit in all of these ways, but one of the ways that he spoke about him is that he would be a guide, that he would be a guide to us. Now, this is huge because... If you're going to go somewhere you've never went before and the stakes are high, you better hope you've got a good guide who's been there before. Whoa, think about this for a second. Has anyone been into your future besides God? No, but he has. The Bible says he goes before us. He's been before us. He's outside of time. So if he's been in our future and no one else has, he's the only one who's qualified to lead us properly. If you were to say, go to Mount Everest and you were going to hike up Mount Everest 
and you took the trip, you got there, and you decided, you know what, we're going we're gonna to take the next few days, and we're going to do this, and, and we're going to go all the way to the top. Now, the last couple of times that I summited on Mount Everest, <laughs> I really would love to do that, actually. Um, I really would. I'm serious. Probably when the kids grow up, I guess. Anyway, um, if you were going to go and you showed up at base camp, I mean, you, you would say somebody was absolutely insane, out of their mind, who said, all right, I'm here, let's go, start just walking up the mountain, never been there before, never done it before, just excited, but ready to go, and just, boom, there they go, up into the clouds, what are they doing? They're never going to make it, conditions are too treacherous, there's too much at stake, they need somebody who's been there before. In fact, I would really want the best guide. I would want the guide that had the greatest success ratio of getting people back down the mountain alive. Can I tell you this? Jesus' record, flawless. Flawless. Thousand percent, however you want to do the math, he is perfect. He never fails. So he's the guide that we can trust and that we can follow. And he wants to relate to you that way that's why jesus said the holy spirit will guide you into all truth he'll lead you let him lead you don't try to go on your own let him lead you he's petitioning he's, he's saying come walk with me let him be your guide know him in that way so that when you walk you are actually following you're not trying to lead yourself because we can't you know the bible says that and, and we're prone to try to do this Right? We are. I mean, it's, it's kind of our nature to want to lead ourselves. The Bible says that there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to destruction. That's a proverb. It's like we always think, hey, well, there's a way. We, we kind of see a way. But ultimately, if we go our way and we're not following the guide, it will become treacherous, difficult, and calamity and misfortune will befall upon us in the end and we'll have to reroute and get back to where the guide is and start following him again praise God for regrouping right and then we don't like it's not over when we mess up we regroup and then he's like all right you're gonna follow me now did you learn your lesson I mean we learn our lesson sometimes I remember listening to this we were oh this is crazy so we were when we went to Israel back in 2017 um, we stayed a couple of nights in the city of Jerusalem and we had one of the best tour guides ever Amit is he was just amazing and we were with a travel agency so you know there was plenty of like uh, security in the group and and all that and uh, when you go into the city of Jerusalem they tell you like you know stay with your group and if you're gonna go out just kind of know where you're at and there are certain neighborhoods in Jerusalem that are all uh, Islamic and then there are other neighborhoods that are just all Jewish and they're just different areas of town that are like that. And so they tell you, you know, just kind of, just maybe don't wander off into the areas that are predominantly Islamic. And so one night, you know me, all right, I got to test things, whatever. <laughs> so I decide we're gonna, I'm going to run down to the supermarket. And it's, it's late at night. And uh, so I start walking down the streets, you know, and I got my shekels and all that stuff. And I, I go into the supermarket and... I get the stuff, I get back to the hotel, and Katie's like, where'd you go? You were gone for a really long time. And I was like, ah, I couldn't find it, you know, so I had to go down a few more streets. She's like, are you sure that you went 
like where you're supposed, I'm like, oh yeah, it's all good, you know, everything's fine, yeah, and and so anyway, the next day, we get on the bus in the morning, and we're sitting, Katie and I are sitting next to a meet, and we're driving out, and I tell Katie, I'm like, oh look, there's the supermarket right there that I went down to last night, and then the meet goes, you went to that one? And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's the one right there. He's like, oh, that's the area you weren't supposed to go. <laughs> like, that was, that's, that's an Islamic neighborhood right there. Well, it's okay. You're okay, I guess, so all right, you know. And I was like, whoa. Um, and it just kind of got me thinking, because I went in the place, and I didn't know no different. I mean, I'm, you know, they, shalom means peace. I'm like, hey, shalom, everybody, how you doing, shalom? And they're like, hey. <laughs> But when you get away from your guide... I think that's what I'm trying to say. When you get away from your guide and you try to lead yourself, like you think you know what you're doing, but you really don't know what you're doing, you know? I mean, you need the guide to be able to direct you. And praise God, he wants to relate to us that way. Listen to this in the book of Galatians, chapter five, verses 16 through 17. Again, this is the apostle Paul speaking about walking this time. He says, I say, walk in the spirit And you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. They're contrary to one another so that you don't do the things that you wish. Just pause right there for a second. This is, to me, some of the most enlightening verses around this. It says, don't walk in the flesh, but walk in the spirit. Because those two are contrary. They're, they're at war, that means, with one another. So you have flesh that your spirit lives in your body that if you live according to the desires of the flesh, it's going to mislead you. It's going to take you down the wrong road. He's saying, don't do that. Don't walk in the flesh. Walk in the spirit. I mean, follow the guide. Follow the leading of the spirit in your life. Because if you don't, the leading of the flesh will lead to destruction. And those are always at war with one another. And one of the things that I've certainly learned over the years is that you can't be led by emotion. Because emotion isn't spirit. If you let your feelings dictate your steps, you will be led astray. And, and sometimes people, as they come into the faith, they got to get a revelation of this because in the world, people are used to living off of emotion. If I'm upset and I'm angry, I'm going to deal with that. And then they deal with it out of their anger and emotion. If I'm really sad and down, then, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to handle things. And then they handle it out of their emotion. And our emotions are fickle. I mean, they can be way up and way down. And, and we're going to have that. But what he's saying is you got you to get past that. And you got to be led and live in the spirit not by the flesh or the emotions or any of that other stuff because it will lead you astray. And, uh, and it's so true. Aren't they our feelings? I mean, they just, if we respond out of how we feel, it can bring harm to us. I mean, there's so many times where something will happen and I'm all worked up and I'm ready to handle it or ready to deal with it, but I don't feel the Spirit leading me. And so I'll take a time out, take a pause and step back And I'll wait on that thing, maybe a day, maybe a week, just to see. And let me tell you this. Every time I do that, the emotions settle, and the way that I respond or would respond totally changes. And when I respond in a moment where emotions are high, and I'm being led by emotion, 
it almost always ends up making a mess of things. I almost always end up coming back saying, I wish I would have. Anybody else going to be on? All right. But when you, when you let the Spirit lead you, that stuff doesn't happen that way. Because the Spirit walks in love. The Spirit leads in love and patience, right? And all those things. And so and we know that this is the way that God is actually inviting us to walk and follow Him. Um, if you jump down a little further in Galatians 5, verse 25, it says this. It says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Leave that verse up there for a second. I have prayed and pondered and studied this verse, this one little verse, hours and hours and hours. And God has given me so much revelation in this little verse right here. And I just want to share a bit with you of that. So it says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Obviously, the walk is there. We've just been talking about. So let's break down the first part of it. If we live in the Spirit. That means to be made alive. That means to be reborn, born again, to have the new nature of Christ living on the inside of you. He's saying if you are alive spiritually, you've been born again, you have eternal life, and that has happened by the Spirit of God, no doing of your own, right? In the same way, walk in the Spirit, meaning live that way. And it just, it hit me one day so powerfully that people could be alive in the Spirit, but not necessarily be walking in the Spirit. And I began to think and ponder, I'm like, that's so true. I, I see it all the time. I've, I've demonstrated it in my own life, that I can be alive in the Spirit, Christ's Spirit on the inside of me, and then my walk not actually align with that. And so I began to dig a little deeper and study, and God just continued to speak to me. He says, listen, think about this and compare these two things, because if he's saying live in the Spirit, then walk in the Spirit, well, first of all, you can't make yourself live, right? You didn't uh, save yourself. Can anybody save themselves? No. no. How do we save? Only by the Spirit of God. So if that's the case, how can you walk in the Spirit apart from the Spirit of God being your strength that actually gives you the ability to do that? The grace of God saves us. The Bible says that uh, we are saved by grace through faith. So our faith is present, believes what we hear, the word, and then God's grace saves us. Same pattern with the walk. We believe that God's spirit lives on the inside of us and will empower us to live the life he's called us to. Is anybody getting this? And so when we believe that, there's faith for it. Guess what? God's grace is an ever-flowing stream into our lives to enable and empower our walk day to day. But we can't do it on our own, just like we can't live on our own. We can't save ourselves and we can't make ourselves walk apart from God's grace flowing into our lives to make that so. It's his power, and, and to me, this is very freeing. This is very liberating, because I can put my faith in God to help me do that. I have a hard time putting my faith in myself to walk every step out properly. But when I trust him to lead me, to guide me, and empower me, my faith is there for that, which means his grace is flowing for that, which means that walk is happening right now let me say one other thing because the power of God flowing into your life means when that's happening 
that nothing can abort your destiny. And a lot of times I think we get caught up in external things. But listen, let me just, this is more of a side point, but I think that this is helpful. Um, Nobody else's success can actually deny you a promotion. Uh, Nobody else's walk with God and, you know, because we have a tendency sometimes to see other people and, you know, on social media, people's lives look perfect, right? Oh, oh, so perfect, everybody's life, ah, you know, and (laughs) look, can I just say this? We got to learn to celebrate people's successes. I mean, you, I, I tell you this, if, if when God's doing things and successes are happening in my life, if I can see that there are people who aren't celebrating with me, I know those are not people that I want close in my life. I'm just saying, I would advise you to consider that too. If there are people who are not cheering you on when God's doing big things in your life, you may want to consider how close you allow them to you in your life. So nobody else's success or what they're doing can thwart the plan of God in our own life. It's like no ship ever said to another ship, hey, you're stealing my wind. Am I getting through any, I mean, right? No, it never happened. Like there's plenty of wind. We can all sail on the sea, baby, and go where we're headed. The grace of God is abundant. It's flowing. What God's doing in your life does not change what he's going to do in my life. It doesn't marginalize that in any way. I want to celebrate your victory. I want to celebrate your success because God's doing something in all of our lives that's unique. Let me tell you another thing that can't rob the destiny that God has for you, betrayal. Betrayal cannot rob you of what God is wanting to do in your life. This is huge because a lot of times we think when something happens and we've been wounded and we've been betrayed, I pray it doesn't happen to anybody, but I know it will. You know, and so you've got to know that God is your defender. And it does not matter what man does to you, that it cannot deny you the destiny that God has created you for. You like that? All right. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, it cannot deny you the destiny that God has created you for. In fact, in many cases, if you really look at the way the patterns work out in the Bible, betrayal actually sets up promotion. G- Judas thought he was when he betrayed Jesus he thought that he had him the devil thought he had Jesus I mean he killed him on the cross he did it all but all that did was seal the victory that Jesus intended to do the entire time the devil was like what did I do well you don't believe when the Bible says what the enemy intends for harm God's gonna use for your good There's no betrayal. There's no attack. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. You cannot put any stock in what man does to you because God is your defender at all times. No betrayal, no attack will ever deny you the destiny that God has created you for. This is truth. Folks, this is scripture. This is the word of God. We've got to know that. The Apostle Paul knew that, and he walked this way. That's why he was attacked so many times in prison, beaten, and he never thought, oh, what God's going to try to do isn't going to happen. 
He knew that God's plan was always being worked out and he couldn't understand it all. But it was always elevating the purposes and advancing the purposes that God had for him in his life through the whole thing. You got to know um, that no man can rob you. Listen to this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Apostle Paul again, he says this, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of for me. Brothers, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the, upward call, for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. This language I love because one of the things that he first of all gives us a picture is he says, you know, for the call of God, for the way that he is walking, he says that he presses on, he reaches forward, he lays hold. It's an aggressive pursuit, right? It's not one of those, I mean, we can't be apathetic about our calling. We can't have this attitude. I mean, and sometimes you see this where people are like, oh, praise God, you know, the world's probably gonna end one day and Jesus is gonna come back and we're just gonna, you know, do what we do. And, and there's just like this very sort of uh, unprovoked by passion on mission kind of attitude toward calling. And Paul's saying, he's saying, look, I'm going after the thing. I'm reaching for it. I'm, I'm reaching out ahead. I'm, I'm putting my weight forward and leaning on something out in front of me. And I'm, I'm continuing to move forward with that kind of approach to the calling that God has for my life. When you get a revelation that God's created you for a purpose and you begin to peer into the wisdom of God for what he's created you to do, it will light you on fire with passion to want to live for that and to pursue that. And it will, it will get you so much that you can't live for anything else except for that. And you be like Paul says, I'm reaching for it, man. I'm, I'm leaning in. I'm trying to lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has already laid hold of for me. And he says, one of the things that I do is I forget the past, the things that are behind me. Now, certainly he doesn't mean that he is ignoring life lessons that he could have learned from things along the way. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, I'm forgetting all of the baggage, all the junk in my life that Jesus has already cleaned up and forgiven me for. Listen, the Apostle Paul was one of the most ruthless enemies of the Christian faith during the New Testament church beginning. You, I don't know if you know this. He was a killer of Christians. He was one of the Jews that was like in the Pharisaical uh, group that was responsible for hunting down Christians and killing them. The Apostle Paul was present when Stephen was martyred and killed. Think about this. He had a bad past, man. And, what he's, and, and yet we're talking about one of the greatest walkers ever in the Bible. And he says, one of the things that I have to do, one of the things we've got to do is we got to forget the past. 
Because if Jesus cleaned it up, if Jesus forgave us for it, it proves no benefit, it, it amounts to no value to us to walk and live in any shame or condemnation from this point forward of what God is already forgiving us for. And we've got to learn to let go of that which is behind us, certainly learn from things. But the Bible says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And a lot of times when people are trying to move and trying to walk and they're struggling and they're way down, ultimately after talking and hearing from them and learning what's going on, a lot of times that you realize they're just weighed down with shame and condemnation and guilt and they can't move because it's just too heavy. And you've got to help them see like, look, Jesus forgave you of that. He's already cleaned you of that. So if you're going to walk in your purpose and destiny from this point forward, you can't carry that with you. You're going to have to leave that back there in the place where Jesus already took care of it for you. And I'm so thankful for this because you know what? Just like Apostle Paul has a past, I have a past. I mean, if I was walking in the shame and guilt of all the terrible things, the drugs and the things and all the stuff that I did in my life, I'm just... There's no way I could do what, live where I'm at right now and live for the calling of God that's on my life. Does that make sense? And so Paul says, you got to let go of that. you got to forget the things which are behind and reach forward for those things that are ahead. And then he ends this up by saying, we should all have this mature mind. Meaning this is a sign of a mature believer. It, it, meaning this is a strength that we need to have that when we walk, we're not entangled with the things of the past. We're looking forward to the things which are ahead. That's a part of maturing and growing in the walk of faith. He also says this uh, in the book of 1 Corinthians. He encourages us as we walk to use our gifts. All right, in verse 4 it says, There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. Differences of ministries, but the same Lord diversities of activities but it is the same God who works all in all but the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all so I love this because you've got to know that God has gifted you in fact in Ephesians chapter 4 it says that when Jesus ascended on high meaning when he was resurrected and then ascended back into heaven it says when jesus ascended on high he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men meaning showered men with gifts so in your spiritual makeup in the creation of you god put unique giftings in you and the bible is encouraging us to use those gifts to be stirred up in those things and to use them in fact knowing your gifts and the way god created you is one of the best ways to gain direction about your purpose because God didn't put those in you to remain dormant and there's a lot of people that are living right now doing things in their lives and they're very unsatisfied very unhappy just kind of mundane no passion day to day and and one of the reasons for a lot of that is there's they're just their gifts are just lying dormant they're not flowing. They're not being used. They're not exercising those gifts which God put in them that he intended for them to use in the world to make an impact. And he says that there's all these different ministries, different gifts, different activities, but it's one spirit. It's the same spirit of God empowering all of us 
And he says it's for the profit of all, meaning it's all kingdom-oriented, kingdom-minded, big picture uh, in, established by God to do it this way. But they're all unique and they're all different and they're all diversified. I love this because, folks, I'm not called to do what you're called to do. And you're not called to do what I'm called to do. We all have our own unique callings. And I think we can get into trouble sometimes whenever we look around and, and maybe we're passionate about something, a certain thing that God's given us, a gift or a way that he wants to use us. And, and look, let me just say this, an immature thing to do is to think that that's what everybody else is supposed to do. Well, I, that's what, I mean, I don't know why they're not doing that. They need to do more of that. They need to do more of that. I mean, I, I've learned this, like when you plant a church, you know, you see what God's calling you to do, but that doesn't mean what he's calling the church up the street to do in your community. And, and so he has a unique plan. We need to embrace that and celebrate that. We're all a part of one big kingdom building process that God is about, but we all have very unique diversified gifts that need to be flowing into the body. They need to be at work in the body of Christ and in the world around us to make the impact that God is wanting to make in and through us. Amen? Amen. And then let me say this. I think this one is going to help so many of us. When it comes to using your gifts and walking, let me put it this way. Don't be afraid to get messy. Pastor Rick used to always say this. He'd say, you know, ministry is messy. And I was like, what do you mean? Like you get stuff on you? Like you gotta carry a napkin around? Like, you know. And the more that I was in ministry, the more I understood what he meant by that. Look, it, it's not a perfect science, okay? Um, and, and as you trust God and you take risks and you step and you walk like things are just going to happen where you're going oh that ain't it oh that ain't right oh you know I got to back up there that's why you got to be so close to God that you recognize those gentle promptings of the Holy Spirit along the way you know there's the big picture which is let's say like the word of God I mean when you know the Bible speaks about honesty and integrity and character I mean, you can take it to the bank that you should never lie or cheat in anything that you would ever do. But when you get down into the details and the nitty-gritty, you've got to trust the prompting of the Holy Spirit, the, the inward witness of the voice of God to lead you in those finer details. It's like, I know that the word of God says, you know, that we should go and make disciples of the nations, baptizing people in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and, and I've, I accepted that call. I know our lives are all meant to be used for that purpose. That's big picture. I can accept that by faith. That's never going to be a question. But when it came time to move my family to Waterloo and plant a church, I needed to hear the voice of God for that. I needed the inward witness to make a move like that. I, you know what I'm saying? I open up the Bible, I read the word, I get filled with the word, but I get filled with him, and then his voice says, no, I'm calling you to do this. And then I can trust that leading. And so it's, it's not a perfect science. We've got to read the word, be filled with the word to get the wisdom of God and draw close to him, but we need to know that we are led by the guide, by that inward witness and the promptings of the Holy Spirit along the way. A great test for you in anything that you would endeavor to do is, is there a piece 
that's going with you into that thing. And if the peace of God is on me, like we're evaluating a decision, a direction, and it's like, man, you know, I just have peace about that. I, don't, I feel like God's in this. I feel like that's somewhere I need to move. That's a place I need to walk towards. Those are steps I need to take, and I can trust God to work the details out that I can't see right now along the way. But inversely, if you have a decision that looks like it just makes all the sense in the world, you can't really put your finger on anything specifically that seems wrong about this, but you just don't have peace about it, don't go. There are times whenever I've held back and, and people be like, well, why aren't you doing this? What, what? You know what? I, all I can tell you is I just don't have peace about it. The peace of God just isn't in that for me. And so I'm, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to trust that, and I'm not going to make a move. And more often than not, come to find out later on down the road, I avoided some major pitfall that I just couldn't see, couldn't put my finger on, couldn't identify right up front. But it was lying there, and the lack of peace was the indicator to me that this wasn't a direction that I was supposed to go. Is this helping anybody? Listen to what, listen to what Paul says in the book of Acts chapter 16. Verses 6 through 10. Don't be afraid to get messy. So, I'm sorry, this isn't Paul. This is Luke writing Acts. So, it says, when they had gone through uh, Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Then after they had come to Messiah, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So, passing by Messiah... They came to Troas, and then a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Do you see what's going on here? He's saying, we tried to go here, and, and then it didn't work out. Like they moved in that direction and then something stopped them. It was the Spirit of God that did not permit them. And so then they tried to go a different direction because they thought, well, this seems like probably the way that we need to go. And then they were stopped and disrupted in their plans because the Spirit of God didn't permit them, praise God, for recognizing the Spirit in the plan. And then they stepped back and they said, okay. And then they waited. And then the voice of the Lord of dream appeared to Paul and said, come over to Macedonia. That ended up being one of the launches of one of the greatest churches in the New Testament. But my point to you folks is it was kind of messy along the way. Do you see? I tried to go here. It didn't work. I tried to go there. It didn't work. And then finally the door opened. Let me remind you that God is the God who opens doors no man can open. And he closes doors that no man can shut. And when he's guiding you, he'll open and he'll close. And you may try to go this way and it doesn't work out. And you may try to go that way and it doesn't work out. And then all of a sudden things open up. But if you're never willing to step and try and just say, I'm going to trust God, I'm going to try to do this, you may never learn to lean on and, and hear and recognize the Holy Spirit checking you, stopping you, releasing you along the way in this walk that you're on. Is Hallelujah. I mean, it's so important that we have that and know that, that this is the way the walk looks. It's not perfection. God's not asking you to be perfect. He's asking you to trust him and do the best that you can. And as you lean on him, you will grow. It's a maturing process as we do this. And then I wanna close with this. 
He says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, this is toward the end of his life. He says, I am already being poured out as a drink offering, meaning I'm getting ready to die. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. He's signing off. He's getting ready to close out his walk. And he says these things. I've fought the good fight. Hallelujah. It's a fight, folks. There's an enemy. There's an opposition. You better be ready to swing. You better be coming out with your hands up. Because the enemy on the other side of your destiny does not want you there. He does not want you to take it. And he's going to try to stop you. And you better be prepared to fight. There is an opposition. I mean, I know looking back, I can certainly say I've not done everything perfect. I've messed up a lot along the way. But I'm pretty sure that I've been swinging the whole time. I'm pretty sure I've been fighting this enemy and going after this destiny as long as I've known that God's created me for this thing. And Paul's saying, I fought the good fight. I did it. I, I fought my whole life through this walk of when I knew God. I wasn't perfect, but I've never stopped fighting. He's saying, I've kept the faith. Praise God. Let me encourage you. I believe many of you right now can say this exact same thing. In the moments of despair, in the moments of difficulty and trial, let me encourage you. I believe you have not stopped believing in God. You have not stopped believing in the goodness of Jesus Christ and the purpose to which he's created you for. Everything in your body, everything in your flesh wants to give up, wants to let go, wants to sulk, wants to throw in the towel. But there's something in you that just says God is still good. He's still on the throne. And as long as I live, I will praise him with my lips. And Paul says at the end of his walk, I've kept the faith. What a remarkable statement to be able to make. What a remarkable thing to say after years and years of walking in this fallen, broken world against an enemy bent on destruction, I never lost my faith. I never stopped believing in Jesus, the Savior of my soul, and his goodness and his righteousness. Amen.